The Bible tells us that we are created in his image and in his likeness. And he created us for his own pleasure. But sin entered and ruined that relationship. And that's where separation happened between us and God. But praise be to God who reconciled us with, to, through Jesus Christ. He reconciled us back unto himself. So the relationship with God as our Father was made possible through Jesus dying on the cross. He was God himself. Without sin, the Bible speaks of him and it says he was a lamb without blemish. He, he took our place and died on the cross. He didn't just die an ordinary death. But he, day, he died a painful and shameful death on the cross. For something that he did not do something he would never even dream of doing. I like how the Bible shows the significance of what Jesus did when it says maybe somebody can die for a good man. Maybe somebody might say, this man does not deserve to die. They did nothing. Let me take their place. It's something that is worth doing. But to die for a sinful, dirty, undeserving man that is unimaginable. But God in his loving kindness chose to give his one and only begotten son to come and die for you and me. And today we are counted, included in the beloved because of what Christ did for us on the cross. So if we read in the book of John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is who we are. We are not just children born because of human decision. We are not just children born out of a natural uh, genealogy that we come from. The Bible says we are born of God. Can we all say, I am born of God? I am born of God. That is a very powerful and loaded statement. I have the DNA and the identity of God. Though I was not deserving, Though I, 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 I did everything or inherited and was born in that lineage of Adam that is just sin. 
But because of what Jesus did on the cross, and by me believing in what he has done, receiving him into my life, the Bible says that we have been given the right to be called children of God. Not only that, but it assures us that we are born of God. That is how we have entered into this relationship of having God as our Father. Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 8 and he says, Romans chapter 8 verse 15 to 17. If we read from verse 15 until... 18. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It is not enough for us to be told that we've been given the right to be called children of God. That we have been born of God. But Paul stresses this point again. He says we have received the spirit of sonship. He says not only that. So if there's somebody who is still doubting this. That yes, I hear that I have a right to be called a child of God. Yes, I hear the Bible says that I am born of God. It's interesting we're taking it a step further and we say we have received the spirit of sonship. But the Bible says that because of the spirit of God that we have been given, the spirit of sonship, we call unto him and we say, Abba, Father. So being given the right to be called children of God, being born of God, having the spirit of sonship, it gives us that boldness to come to God the Father and call unto him and say, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. We can call him Daddy. We can call him Baba. That is who he is. That is the type of sonship that we have entered into. Nobody needs to question that. Nobody needs to doubt that. But there's more. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit 
that we are children of God. If it has not settled in the inside of us, God uses his very own spirit to testify and convince our very spirit that we are the children of God. And we are able to come and boldly say, Daddy, Abba, Father. Because that is who we are. God is not done. Not only are we children of God, not only are we born of God, not only have we received the spirit of sonship, not only do we have the boldness and the confidence to call him Abba Father, not only does the spirit of of God testify with our spirit that we are children of God. But it says we are heirs of God. Everything that God has, he has given unto us. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to us. Not only that, when he looks at Jesus as the firstborn amongst all creation, when he looks at Jesus who said, who he even with boldness he, con- he, he declared this and he said, everything that the Father has, he has given it unto me. So Jesus understood his sonship. He was not ashamed to declare that he is an heir of God. God also calls us heirs. But he says when we are standing side to side with Jesus, we are co-heirs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have an equal share in the inheritance of God as Jesus has. That is the sonship that we have entered into. Not only that, Jesus is not even ashamed to call us brethren. When he looks at us, he says we are equal with him. It is not blasphemy. Don't let anyone say, who do you think you are to equate yourself to God himself? He said it in his word. Repeatedly so. He said he gave me the right to be his child. He says that I am born of God. He says I have received the spirit of sonship. He says I can call him Abba Father. His spirit testifies with my spirit. He says in him I have an inheritance not only an inheritance but an equal inheritance with Jesus. So I have every right to call him daddy. We have a father in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Galatians 4 verse 1 Galatians 4 verse 1 If we, we can start reading it from Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Not partial, not limited, not sort of, kind of, I am not sure, but we have received the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God also made you an heir. Can you read verse 6 and 7 for us in the discourse? Oh, verse 6 and 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the witness of two or three, the matter is established. Is there anyone who is doubting that we have a father in heaven? Is there anyone who is doubting that we have received a spirit of sonship? Or maybe let me ask you this way. Can I see the hands of those who are says, I am a son of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we're reading this portion of, 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 of scripture, I'm reminded of that song that we sing. I'm no longer a slave to sin. But I am a child of God. My time of being a slave to sin has passed. I have now entered into a new face. I am now a son of God. Our heavenly father is different from our earthly fathers. The Bible makes this comparison in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, verse 9 to 11. This one, suppose I'm going to read it and I'm, I'll ask that you also read it for us Hallelujah. in your translation. So Matthew chapter 9, verse, chapter 7, seven. Verse, nine. verse 9 to 11. Remember we're saying our heavenly father is different from our earthly fathers. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Hallelujah. Yeah. That's what verse 9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are given a picture here that compares our heavenly father with our earthly fathers. The Bible says that who of you, if your son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? It says that earthly fathers, even though they are evil, they still have that goodness in their hearts that they will give their kids good gifts. And the Bible says, if an earthly father who can be evil in their nature, if he is able to give good gifts, how much more our father in heaven I find it quite interesting that the comparison is made between our heavenly father and a father who is able to do good to his children. Often when we make comparisons to show a difference, you will choose to use something, two things that are the opposite of each other. But here it says, even earthly fathers who can be evil, they know how to do good. But in comparison to our heavenly father, he far outweighs them all. If we consider a picture of a bad or an evil, even an absent father, that picture brings with it a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment, somebody who is flawed in their nature, and the experience that a child grows under that environment, and under those circumstances, they grow lacking love. It's, it's, it's a picture that is very sad. A, a picture that is painful. What makes it even painful is that many of us grew up in that type of setting. Saved as we are, children of God as we are. Many of us come from backgrounds where we don't have a good experience of fatherhood. If we were to take the mic and pass it around and ask everyone to share their experience of their upbringing, 
There'll be quite various experiences. Some may be good. Others may not be so good. And those are the experiences that we've had with our earthly fathers. We can have someone who grew up without a father. And in their upbringing, they might have looked at another family that had a good solid family structure. Where there was a mother, a father, and, and from a distance when they look at that family, they saw that there was love in that family. The children were taken care of. Their needs were met. The kids grew up very well. And oftentimes, a person who's looking at that from a position of not having experienced it for themselves, they might desire that. It is only natural. You will you would have gone through your whole life wishing that I wish my father was like that one. Some of us we grew up having a father in the household. But because of that negative experience we had of how we related with them, we might have built a picture of a perfect father in our heads. Somebody we desired to receive love from. Somebody that we desired to have a sense of protection from. It might have been an image we created in our heads. Or it might have been somebody that we saw and we, we desired that. Couldn't I have been born in that family instead? But we had some form of reference to what a good father would look like. On the other side, you might have somebody who grew up with a good, loving father. To a daughter, a father that you even prayed and wished that one day when I get married, I wish to have a husband who is just like my father. You know, you might have somebody who grew up and they were daddy's little girl. You had a relationship with your father, the, the kind that when you know that he's about to get home from work, you get so excited because you, you can't wait to receive that warm embrace. Everything about your relationship with your father was perfect. But to both these situations, there is a father who is far better than both. Whoever is coming from the experience of being unloved, not cared for, not protected, there is a father who is able to love you unconditionally. There is a father who is able to protect you. There is a father who, whose arms 
are open to receive you. And to the one who had this good and perfect loving father, there is one whose love even outweighs that which you have experienced. And there is our heavenly father. We should not limit God's fatherhood to our own lived experiences. Be it a negative experience of what fatherhood was, or be it a good experience of fatherhood, both should not limit us to what God God's character and personality as a father to us can be like. Because he is a perfect God. He loves us unconditionally. If he was able to love us when we were still sinful, when we rejected him, when we hurled insults at his son, Yet he still loved us. You know, that prayer that Jesus made um, on, on the mount, when he, held, he felt the heaviness of this assignment that was ahead of him, the intensity of it, the Bible says that as he was praying, the situation was so intense that he started to sweat and his sweat as it was dropping down, it was like blood dropping on the floor. Imagine the father looking at him. I'm sure that pain touched God as the father. And Jesus said, but not my will, your will be done. If it was us earthly fathers, our will would have changed to being, I'd rather save my child. This is too heavy. But even in that point of heaviness, God's will still prevailed. Jesus still went to the cross. That is the kind of unconditional love that he had for us. He did not spare his own son for you and me because of his unconditional love. His love, he loves us with a never-ending love. So there's nothing that we can ever do that will make his love for us change. There is what sets him apart from our earthly fathers. Our God has no flaws. He, he has no limitations. And that picture that I've just described, it is a picture of you and me, of your father and my father who is in heaven. If we look at characteristics of a good father, I'm, I'm going to read out the characteristics and we will note the scriptures, the scriptural references to those. A good father is loving. We can read that in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 and John 3 verse 16. Can I just quickly read 1 John 
The rest I will not read. We can just note them and read them later. First John chapter 3, verse 1. This is what it says. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. I think this scripture best describes the love that we have in God, and that is the love of a father. It says that this love is so great that he has lavished it upon us. He has poured it upon us. And with that, he has called us his children. A good father is caring and compassionate. For that, we can read Psalms 103, verse 13. We read, we read Psalm, Psalm 103 this morning. Thank you, Mimashet. A good father disciplines and guides. A good father disciplines and he guides. Hebrews 12, verse 7 to 11. Uh, let's go to that quickly. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Endure hardships as a form of discipline. Because God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes disciplines, then you are an illegitimate child and not a true son. If you are not disciplined, then you are an illegitimate child and not a true son. So, discipline from the father shows and affirms that it shows love. And it affirms that indeed we are sons. Verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and respected them for it. So all of us grew up being disciplined. Even us, as we are raising our children, we discipline them in one way or another. And through the discipline we endured from our human fathers, we respected them. How, how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. <clears throat> no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So when God disciplines us as a father... He wants to bring the best out of us. 
Understand me very well. I'm not saying every hardship that you are going from going through is discipline from the Father. Some of it is an attack from the enemy. Some of it is the enemy trying to pull you away from your Father. But that which is a form of discipline from our Father first of all, it assures us of our sonship. It assures us of the love that the Father has for us. And it is meant to produce good out of us. So that we may produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. A good father protects a good father is a defender. Psalm 91 speaks of God's protection. If we find our hiding place in him, if we respond to this relationship of fatherhood and sonship, then we will dwell under the shadow of his wings where we will be protected and kept safe. Isaiah 41 verse 10 Amen. Thank you. I think Hallelujah. somebody caught it. They, <laughs> I suppose that the, that's the, 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 the scripture you live by. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah 41 verse 10 so this is what the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father is saying to us today. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is our heavenly father. He is our provider. Matthew 6, 25-34. Some of these scriptures I didn't want to read, but as we are going through this, I just feel that urge to read them. As a reminder to us, of the type of father that we have. Matthew 6, 20 from 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, life, is, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Isn't it interesting that it says here that look at the birds and how they do not sow or reap. Yet, and it says, yet your heavenly Father it doesn't say Yet they are heavenly father. I just find it interesting. Even the birds of the air, your heavenly father takes care of them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? If your heavenly father 
takes care of the birds of the air. The way he takes care of them. They don't need to sow in order for them to reap. They don't need to store up food for themselves in barns. Because your heavenly father takes care of them. If that blows your mind and you think, wow, what a good and loving father. He even takes care of the birds of the air. The Bible says, wait a minute, if you thought that was amazing, how much more valuable are you more than this? That is the type of father that we have. He provides for every need that you have. As I'm saying this, your situation might not be agreeing with what I'm saying. But that does not change who God is in your life. That does not change the plans that he has for your life. That does not change his hand of provision over your life. Continue to dwell in his presence. Continue to recognize him as your heavenly father. And continue to confess that you are a son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? The same God who clothes the grass of the field, the, the, the flowers that we see all around us, and we consider that to be beautiful, will he not much more clothe you? So what God is doing unto nature, he can do more for you because of your position of sonship and and him being our heavenly father. God, as a good father, he has given us freedom and access to himself. Remember, the curtain has been torn. Now we can enter freely into his presence. We no longer need a mediator. We can enter his presence. The people of old, they only desired and wished they could live in our time today. Remember, they had to depend on a priest who will go into the Holy of Holies. Once a year, on on their behalf. And the way it was such a terrifying experience, the priest, when they would enter into the Holy of Holies, they would be tied with a chain on their leg. Just, just in case they don't make it out. 
so that they can be pulled out of that place. That's how much the presence and the holiness of God was revered. And it's who would enter the presence of God. It was not anyone. But blessed be the name of Jesus. Today we have that right. Today we have that confidence. Because we are sons. And he is our heavenly father. And we go to him and say, Abba, Father. We go to, see, to, to him and say, Daddy. Today was not a good Good day. Daddy, I need you to intervene. Daddy, I am drying out. Daddy, I am crushed in my spirit. Come to my aid. And he hearkens unto our call. Because when you come to him in the name of Jesus, everything has to stop. And he pays attention to his son and say, what are we doing for you today? That is the access and freedom that we have with him. And he has left an inheritance for us as his children. We've seen it when we read in the book of Romans chapter 8. This reminds me of uh, Proverbs 13 verse 22 which says that a, a good father leaves an inheritance for his children and their children but here we have seen that our heavenly father has given us an inheritance not just an inheritance but the one where we have an equal inheritance with his beloved son Jesus if we find it too high a thing to attain this relationship of a father and a son we can use we can look at Jesus as an example or a model Jesus during his time here on earth he related with God as his father he knew his position and he did not doubt it it was even confirmed publicly so during his uh, baptism where God said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Even today, God is saying the same about you. You are his son. You are begotten of the father. This is how Jesus related with God. He openly said, me and the father are one. Can we have that attitude as sons of God, where we boldly recognize ourselves and declare that me and the Father are one. Because Jesus confirmed that even before he ascended to heaven. He said, may the world know that just as me and you are one, even me and them are one. Jesus would say to his disciples that no one comes to know the Father except through me. When they would ask him, saying, Jesus, show us the Father, he would say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He would say that the Father has committed all things to me. 
And he said, he is doing the same to us. All that the Father has given me, I have given to you. Power and authority that Jesus has, we have been given that power and authority. I don't think with this revelation and knowledge, I don't think anything can defeat us. Because we know our position and our authority. That everything that God has given to Jesus, we have been given also. And we are able to speak with boldness and confidence. Another important thing that Jesus has shown us in his relationship with the Father is that he spent time with the Father. Now and then he will seclude himself to a, 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 a place of, of, of separation and just be one with the Father. And the Bible, whenever it speaks about it, it, said, it was said, as it was accustomed to him, as he used to do, he would go and pray by himself. He, he made a habit of continually continuing Communion with the Father. And as sons of God, we need to have that habitual practice of communing with the Father. It is not just a title that we should be happy about, but it should be a practice that we enter into. And in everything that he did, Jesus glorified the Father. Can we take from these examples of how Jesus related with the Father and apply them in our lives? Our purpose as sons is to honor and worship the Father, to bring Him glory, to make His manifold wisdom known, to reconcile the world to him and to reign here on earth with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would like us to pray if, if there's anyone as we are going through this, maybe you had flashbacks and you were thinking about your upbringing and the relationship that you had with your father. If we have any amongst us who are saying, I want to have this father and son relationship with God, but the pain or absence that I experienced growing up is making it difficult for me to see him as my father. Can I ask that we if there's anyone who, who relates to that or has a, a sense of, of, of that experience and say, I want to break out of this and really experience God as a, a, my heavenly father. Can I ask that you come to the fourth and we pray with you? The prayer is simple. Our prayer is that may you be able to recognize the unconditional love of our Heavenly Father. We can all stand up and if there's any who wants to be prayed for, you can come to the fourth. Thank you, Jesus.
We have a loving Father who is able to set us free from past hurts and past experiences. We have a loving Father who is able to mend every broken heart. We have a loving Father who is able to make us aware of the love that he has given us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the absence of any, can I make another request? If there's anyone who is here today and they're saying, I desire that relationship with this heavenly father you are talking about. At the beginning I said that the only way we can have this relationship with him is if we have received Jesus Christ as our personal savior. Because this relationship can only happen on the basis of what he has done for us on the cross. So, if there's anyone who is saying, I do not know this father, I am not born again. Can you raise your hand and we will pray with you so that you can be included in the family of God? Do we have anyone who says, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? so that I can enter into this father and son relationship. Hallelujah. Can we give God a hand of praise? Amen. 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 Hallelujah.